what you know with um, with these bushfires and uh, and the things that are that are happening. I tell you, it brings out the best and it brings out the worst, doesn't it? <laughs> brings out the best in them, isn't it? Amazing how um, people are banded together to really give and to um, and to chip in and to help. And it's so wonderful, you know, that Aussie spirit. Um, we makeshift and we gather together and have the churches are working together, um, crossing denominational lines. I love that. I love that because who knows that we, it doesn't matter what part of the body we belong to, we're all one in Christ. If we believe that, you know, the, those um, things, we have that common, common belief that Jesus is Lord and, and those basic doctrinal truths, you know, we can... We can work together with our differences and it's wonderful to see churches banding together and all of these things taking place and good things are happening. But there's also the flip side of that. We see the ugliness of humanity, don't we? And we see the the name slinging and the blame game and and all of those things. Nothing's new. (laughs) But I tell you, it's it's our chance as the people of God to rise above that and to shine Jesus in this hour. In the midst of tragedy, we get to shine bright. You know, darkness, um, in the the darkest of darks, light shines brighter. Amen? And uh, I use this analogy a lot, and I heard it many years ago, and you're probably all familiar with it, that, you know, a jeweller, when they display uh, diamonds or they display jewellery, they always put it against a black background because it shines even brighter then. You can really see it. in the midst of darkness, the people of God should be shining. We're the ones who should be showing forth love and, sh- and uh, peace and joy and, and all of those things that the Holy Spirit gives us. And it's a great opportunity and we, we grieve with those who are grieving and, um, and we offer that hope. Um, so why don't we turn... I'm just going to... Actually, I might... I'll just share a little bit... Um, I shared last week, John actually preached last week, but I shared a little bit um, at the start of the service about a dream that I had back um, in August this year. And um, and I believe it was a prophetic dream. I know it was a prophetic dream. And, um, um, you know, there's, yeah, the language of the Spirit is, is very interesting, isn't it? It's uh, very interesting. These, these things happen today. You know, the Bible talks about uh, signs and wonders. It talks about how, well, it talks about old men dreaming dreams. I don't think I'm an old man just yet, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the young people will prophesy, uh, have visions, all kinds of things. But, um, you know, God is moving in our day. And anyway, in this dream, this was back in February, in, sorry, in August, and John and I were away in sale at a, at a meeting. And I had this dream, and in this dream, um, the, I knew that the Lord had instructed me to, I was standing in a congregation and the Lord had instructed me to uh, prophesy that there would be an unusual increase in multiple pregnancies and births. And uh, so that was very interesting. And I knew instinctively, you know, when you wake up from a dream and you know that it's from God and you just know it was a very quick dream, but I just knew that he wasn't talking natural. He was talking um, spiritually. And I understood that it didn't mean just twins. But it was um, multiple. It was it was uh, triplets and quadruplets and all of those things. And, and um, I looked up the medical term for three or more babies back then. And, um, and we do have a doctor in the house today, so he would understand um, medical terms. But I looked up that um, that term, and it's known as higher order multiples. And um, that's where there's more uh, than than uh, more than than two babies. And so. Um, and so I sort of put that in the back of my mind and thought, okay, God, you know, this is bizarre, but I don't really understand it, but I know that you're moving, and I sort of put it to the side. And then on New Year's Day, um, I woke up, um, we were up in, in Bright, I shared that last week, and I woke up with this word that I felt on my heart, and, um, and it, was, it was a very, very quick word when I woke up, it was be fruitful and multiply. And... Uh, <laughs> And so I immediately went to Genesis 1.28, I think we all probably go there, where God uh, blessed them and he, and he said, be, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, all over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the, on the ground. And so we know that that was the mandate uh, for, for Adam and Eve. Uh, back then. And who knows that we are called, as God's people, we are called to be fruitful and multiply. Now, um, God is interested in fruit. He's interested in fruit. Everything that he he touches, 
produces fruit. Everything that he touches produces life. He's the God of life, isn't he? He's a resurrection God. Um, it, the dead things he, he brings to life again. And so I knew that when God was speaking about these things, and I just stood up and just shared that dream last week and, um, and over at, um, at Mervoo North as well. And people began to, we had an older lady over there who began to get stirred up in the spirit again about praying, about prayer, about birthing things in the spirit, about really going before God and seeking him not like never before. And I believe that this is a time when we are going to see multiple salvations, that we're going to see household salvations, that we're going to see an increase in the things of God in this hour if we just stay connected to him. You know, um, yeah, it's interesting. Prophetic language is very, very interesting. But, you know, there's always so much more. And I just encourage you to, to, to dig deep into the Word of God and to ask Him, how does this apply to me? You know, we all want to bear fruit for Jesus. Amen? We all want to bear good fruit for Him. He's interested in that. And He's given us, we are meant to be uh, good stewards over the grace that He has given us. You know, we're meant to be good stewards. We're meant to steward the grace of God, the giftings of God, the finances, whatever it might be, the, the natural and the physical and the um, um, spiritual things, we are meant to steward well. And we're meant to bring increase because his kingdom is a kingdom that ever increases. You know, his kingdom is a kingdom that brings life and brings hope and brings joy and brings peace and all of those things for him. And uh, we want to be good stewards of those things. I just want to, um, I want to just read, well, why don't we just go back to the garden for a moment, like way back in the garden um, of, uh, of Eden. And uh, I loved um, Robin's message this morning for communion. Wasn't that incredible? Yeah. It was an amazing message of how, you know, God's love was just, just in, you know, how he, he, he asked that question, you know, are we still friends? Because who knows that bad things happen to good people? Yeah. You know, in this world we will have trouble, but fear not, for I have overcome. And um, and we, God never promises us that everything is going to be rosy. We know that. Life is full of ups and downs. It's full of different seasons. You know, there's the mountaintops and there's the valleys. There's um, death and destruction. We see it with the fires. Uh, there's grieving and there's joy. There's all of those things in life. But one thing remains the same. That Jesus is solid. He is rock solid. He never changes. Our emotions might go up and down. We may uh, doubt God. We may have questions regarding God and all of those things. He doesn't mind that. We can question. We can we can have questions. You know, and we heard that beautifully um, said this morning that Jesus, he, he, he's our great high priest. He's able to sympathise with us in our weakness. He knows the human suffering. He knows our weaknesses. And yet and he, he walked as a man and he overcame. Amen? And, um, and so we grapple with those things. It doesn't scare God. God doesn't say, well, you know, sorry, you're out. Three strikes and you're out. He never does that. Aren't you glad? Yes. And that was so beautifully um, spoken about, when, about on the cross and that picture on the cross. Oh, you know, why have you forsaken me when the weight of the sin of the world was laid upon the shoulders of Jesus? Oh my goodness! And then the earth went by. All of those things happened, but you know, He's always reaching out for us. He's always there. He loves to the very end, even His enemies, and that's what He calls us to do as well. And um, and yeah, that was just an incredible. Um, incredible picture and, and we're going to keep that before us. There's nothing that we can do that God is just going to say, no, nah, you, you, you know, there's nothing beyond the redemption of God. We see it among us. Many of us have come from all kinds of different backgrounds and God is the great redeemer. He makes all things new and it's so, so good. Um, so if we go back to the, to the garden just for a moment, and we see that um, almost immediately after Adam and Eve fell to Satan's temptation, we see, um, you know, death, sin, murder and sickness and all of those things enter the world. And so immediately um, humanity, uh, they, they came, became subject to Satan's rule. With Satan usurping the authority that God gave them to rule as ambassadors over the earth. 
you know, he said, go and be fruitful and multiply, have dominion over the earth, all of those things he gave to man. And um, I liken it to this, it's like, say, if today, um, you know, we were to raise up an army to attack a city, well, once, once they're defeated, so once I defeat them, everything that is theirs becomes mine. And all the inhabitants and everything that they own become subject to me. And that's a similar thing to what happened um, with Adam and Eve and all their descendants after them. Because of the fall, man's authority was removed. And sin and death entered. And they became subjects of a new ruler, a new kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. And it's been true ever since. We see it's outworking today. But we know that God had a plan. We know that he had a plan in sending his son to die on the cross to redeem and restore lost humanity. And so we skip forward to the resurrection and we read in, in, um, in Matthew chapter 28 where Jesus said something incredible. He said, all authority has been given to me and the son of God became the son of man. <laughs> he, came to, he became the son of man. He forfeited everything. He gave up everything to become a man. And then he re-inherited everything as a man. So that you and I would have an inheritance. That's, it blows your mind, doesn't it? And so now in Matthew 28, he stands. This is Jesus. He stands victorious. He stands triumphant. He stands uh, in resurrection power. You know, the power of death and hell and the grave had been just defeated. <laughs> the power of sin had been broken. And now he stands, it's like he stands and he says, I've got the keys back. No, he didn't say that, but this is my rendition. It's like he's standing there and saying, I've got the keys back. What was lost in the garden, I've got back. I've got it back. And then he came and he dealt a fatal blow to, to Satan and the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of God had come to strike back and take what was rightfully God's. <laughs> and we as God's people, we're called his ambassadors. We get to be part of this. We get to co-labor with Christ. He says, all authority has been given to you. As, I, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. He said that to his disciples in Matthew 28. Let's just read it. Matthew 28 and verse 18. We, we know it well. It's the Great Commission. It says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Wow. And when Jesus rose from the dead and the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, he gave back to us that same authority that he once had given Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, to be fruitful and multiply, to go and make disciples, to go and preach the word of God, to share our faith. We are meant to be fruitful and multiply. That's his kingdom. That's his kingdom. That's what he does. He's incredible. God is just amazing. We, we get to co-labor with him in his mission. And I'm excited about the days ahead. I don't want to look at, we're not unaware of the enemy's schemes, okay? We're not unaware about what the enemy does. But he's been defeated. Yeah. <laughs> he's been defeated and our job is to stand in the knowledge that it has been done. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. In 1 John it says the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. And we, as God's people, get to be partakers in that. That when we see the devastation and we see things that are happening around about us, we don't be, we're not overcome with fear about it because we know the, the end. <laughs> we, we know the end of the story. We know that Jesus is triumphant, that Jesus rules and he reigns. Our job is to keep focused on him. Our job is to stay in him, to stay connected to the vine because that's where our source comes from. It's, it's supernatural. You know, it's not natural to rejoice 
in a season where things are not worth rejoicing about, if you know what I mean. It's not natural. But who knows that the Holy Spirit enables us to stand strong in the midst of all kinds of challenges. Yes, we grieve. We see that in, in Jesus. There's nothing wrong with grieving. You know, I, I'm sick of the hyper, you know, the hyper movements that, you know, you can't have any feelings. That's rubbish. You know, we see that in Jesus. He grieved. He laughed. He, he had all of those emotions. You know, emotions brought under the control of God are godly and they're good. We should grieve. The Bible tells us that we're meant to grieve with those who grieve. We're meant to rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, it's when our emotions get out of whack that we have all kinds of issues that happen. And, and we heard about that this morning, you know, with um, depression. And, and thank you for sharing that story, Robin. And incredible. You know, depression is one of the things that is huge today. Depression and anxiety. And when our eyes and our minds get fixed on the wrong thing, we're going to fall. When our, when our eyes are fixed on the devastation and they're fixed on, on the horrendous things that are happening, fear gets in. But who knows that when your mind is fixed on Christ, you have nothing to fear. You know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. You know, if God is with us, who can be against us? I think we, we sang that this morning. He is with us through the trials, through everything. He is with us. Our job is to keep fixed on him, our eyes fixed on him, not on all the mess. God's coming, or God has come to sort out the mess. <laughs> and he's still sorting out the mess today. And he uses his church, he uses his people uh, to be a representation of him in the earth and to show the love of Christ and to show who Jesus really is. There's been some misrepresentation, hasn't there, across all, all um, denominational lines about who Jesus is. But I think God is coming to, to, to bring a clarity and he's coming to bring um, an incredible peace and, a, and a, a restoration in all of that so that we would see Jesus for who he really is, the King of glory, the one who reconciles hearts, the one who never turns anybody away. Amen? But make no mistake, he deals with sin. And he has dealt with sin. And, uh, and we're going to make this stand for righteousness in this day. There's nothing um, under attack more than the Word of God. You know, the Word of God is coming under attack. There is a real um, a temptation to water down the truth of God's Word. There's a real temptation for that. We've seen that happening. Uh, we can, all of us can come under that because we don't want people to hate us. Nobody wants anybody to hate, do they? But I tell you what, we're going to make a stand for righteousness, but we always do it in love, as Jesus did. And um, he is such, a, such a, a good God, and he's doing something incredible in this day. And so we see that God wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to multiply. And who knows that sometimes in our life, uh, we've got to ask ourselves the question, is this bearing fruit in my life? Is there things that are bearing fruit in my life? We know the story about Jesus, uh, the parable of the fig tree. Remember that story? Incredible story. I don't know if I've got it here. Um, but you can read it um, in Matthew uh, 21. It's in, in the Gospels. And um, how Jesus, he came and he... Uh, let, me, let me just have a look at my notes here. It's in Mark 11 and verse 25, uh, 12 to 25. I might just read it. It says there, it says, The next day as they were walking, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached, when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? 
The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and they began looking for a way to kill him for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When the, when the evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they, believes what they will say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive uh, you of your sins. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? I kept reading there because it's just incredible to, to read that in context. It's, it's just, it's just um, amazing. And, um, you know, he's talking there. Uh, there's, a, there's so much. I'm not going to go into too much of it now. I mean, you could spend, you could spend so long teaching on that very verse. It's just, just incredible. But, of course, you know, if you see the image of um, throwing a mountain into the sea, um, it's figurative of something that is humanly impossible. You know, something that's, you know, and Jesus is saying that the greatest, um, uh, that the greatest possible difficulties can be removed when a person has faith. When we have faith, we can say to that mountain, be removed. What is that mountain in your life? You know, what, what are those things that seem impossible to you if we would just believe? Now, we've got to align our beliefs up with the will of God. It's not just some presumptuous thing that you go around, you know, naming and claiming and all of that sort of stuff. No, we, know we pray knowing the will of God. When we know the will of God, we can pray and we can be confident and we can ask in faith. And so, um, so with, uh, with that, with the fig tree, in this verse, uh, in the teaching that follows, he links the, fig, the miracle of the fig tree's destruction to the power of faith and prayer. We've seen that. There's so many other things there too. But it's interesting that uh, one of the commentaries, I think I have it here, um, yeah, one of the commentaries, one interpretation in Bible commentaries is that the tree is a metaphor for uh, the Jewish nation, uh, that it had the outward appearance of godly grandeur, its beliefs, um, but it was not producing anything for God's glory. So lack of fruit there. And Matthew Henry, uh, for example, he commented, he said, the fig tree that had no fruit soon lost its leaves. This represents the state and nation of the people of God. Um, our Lord Jesus found among them nothing but leaves. The interpretation is connected to the parable um, of the barricade tree. But, but we see that, that God is after fruit. He wants us to produce fruit. You know, he's not pleased when we... Don't produce fruit. And it's not about works. It's as we are connected to the vine, yeah. as we are connected to him, yeah. you can't help but bear fruit. It's not an effort. It's not, you know, it's not an effort for a tree to bear fruit, is it? You know, it's given the right surroundings and it's given the right you know, water and sunshine and all of those things. Um, it will produce fruit because it's designed <coughs> to produce fruit. You know, the glory of, of the tree is the fruit. When we see, like, the, the, like with our rose bushes, when they're in full bloom, the glory of the rose bush is the roses. That's, <laughs> That's the glory of it. And God delights when his people are connected to him and they show forth his glory. Yeah. When we bear fruit for his kingdom. <laughs> That's what he wants. He wants his people to be fruitful and multiply and bear fruit. Yeah, yeah. And it's not determined on the season. <laughs> because who knows that you can bear fruit in and out of season in God. <laughs> if we keep connected to God. Remember in Habakkuk. That's the awesome way of saying it, isn't it? What how did the Americans say Habakkuk? Habakkuk or something. Is that right? <laughs> it's a funny names in the Bible, isn't there? But remember, remember there, I think it's in Habakkuk 3, I might have it. Um, just bear with me for a moment. Yeah, 
here, Habakkuk 3 and verse 17. It says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labour of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no food in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like the, like the deer's feet and he will make me walk on the high hills. Incredible, isn't it? That it doesn't matter what the season, even, even if the things in the natural are not happening, even if the fig tree is not blossoming, even if, you know, there's no fruit, even if there's no food, whatever it might be, we can still rejoice in God our Saviour. God is not limited by our natural circumstances. Yeah. He never has been limited by our natural circumstances. And so when we're, when we're in Him, we can rest in the knowledge that whatever's going on, we are in Him, we're it's everything's going to be okay. We will get through. There is faith, and that faith begins to rise on the inside of you. You can bear fruit in and out of season. Even when everyone else is murmuring and complaining and whinging. <laughs> and we're tempted to murmur and complain and whinge. Anyone be there? <laughs> we're all human. But we're called to live differently. We're called to live different. We're in a different kingdom. We're not called to partner with the kingdom of this world. We're called to partner with God and his kingdom. And so even when everything's happening and, and, and people are whinging and complaining and tearing down the government and all that stuff, <laughs> we're hearing it all the time, aren't we? The blame back, all of that stuff. What's our job to do as Christians? It says pray for your leaders. Pray for them. Don't get involved in all of that stuff. Yes, if you're called into that arena, if you're called to, to make a difference, absolutely. But we do it in love. You know, the thing that marks a Christian apart from the world is our love. It's his presence. And when we have the presence of God on the inside of us, we're not moved by natural circumstances because we know that the God that we serve is always victorious and he will cause us to be victorious. He said that we are more than overcomers in him. That's the God that we serve, regardless of the season. We can have joy. We can have peace. We can have, you know, what's, what's the, all of the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible talks about how the kingdom of God is not just a matter of eating and drinking. It's not just natural things, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Incredible to have the peace of God that passes all understanding that comes to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ. And I'm sure many of us have experienced the peace of God that transcends all natural experience. <laughs> when people are saying, hey, hang on a minute, you should be worried, you should be fearful, you should be, you know, down and out. No, because I've got my eyes fixed on Jesus. I have peace. I have peace. And some people will say to you, are you living in denial? And you can say, yes, I deny it's right to affect my relationship with God. Amen? I deny whatever's happening around about me to affect my relationship with God because I know that if I stay in him, he is my anchor. He is my sure foundation. He is the rock on which I stand. And no matter the rough seas, no matter the storms that come our way, we can be assured that he never changes. He is always the same. <laughs> we can lack faith, but he is always faithful. We just want to stick with him and stay close to him. The Lord is our strength. He makes our feet like the feet of a deer. Wow, that's pretty cool, isn't it? On those rocky hills, we can, we can still walk. We can, if we're in him, we can do all things, amen? We can do all things. But with the, with the fruit, you know, I'll get back to that. We've got to ask ourselves the question at times, are these things bearing fruit in my life? Sometimes we've got to cut things off that are not bearing fruit, those things that are dead and lifeless. We've got to ask ourselves, is this producing life or is it producing death? You know, today I've set before you Life and death, blessing, blessing and curse. Life and death, choose life. He gives us the answer, choose life. We've got to ask ourselves those questions. Sometimes 
You know, there's some t- some things take time um, to produce, to yield a harvest, don't they? Um, sometimes it's in the hiddenness. Sometimes things don't look like they're producing fruit. You know, like with the seed in the ground, um, there's so much going on underneath that we don't see until that until that seed bursts forth and then produces a harvest. And so often in that quiet, in that dark place, in that in that uh, secret place, in that quiet place, God is doing a great work, a great work unto now. I'll give you an example of that. When we, when John and I, we back years ago in Maui, um, when we were assisting down there, we ran a drop-in centre. And um, I probably, we'll probably have shared this story. But we ran a drop-in centre and it was in our home. And it was in the Bronx area of Maui. And we had lots of different people that would come through. Um, but at the start, um, it was hard going. It was, we had one or two people turn up. And we would be down there. We'd be there every, every uh, well, three days a week we opened it up. And we would be there. There'd be one or two people. We ran various different things um, to, to minister to, to people in, in need. And it took time. And I remember good, godly people coming to us. And they were good, godly people. And they were saying, you know, do you really think that this is working? You know, you've only got one or two people coming. Do you really think, you know, maybe maybe you should just reduce the hours? Or And I knew in my heart. I knew in my heart. And I went before God and I said, God, you know, did I miss it? Did, did I really miss it here? Should we be opening up? Should we be? And he spoke to me very, very clearly. And he said, if you are faithful with a few, I will bring the peace. And I remember I stood and was in this, in, the, in that house and I slipped down the wall and I wept and I said, God, if you send one person and one person's life is changed because of you, then I will keep going. I will keep going. And I tell you what, you know, it took time. It took a lot of prayer. But I tell you what, God began, God was faithful and he began to bring the increase. And even if he didn't, even if it was just for one, we've got to be obedient to his word. It's not about, it's not about numbers. It's never about numbers. It's about people. <laughs> it's about people. It's about the one. It's about reaching the one. And God was so faithful to us that it was, it was incredible. We had people come and incredible stories. And when I think about it now, we go back and uh, in our Garuda house, and it's huge now, and it's reaching many people, and it's starting with a little seed, but we couldn't give it up. We could have looked at the natural circumstances and thought, this is too hard. And we could have listened to the advice of people who were well-meaning and thought, no, 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 I couldn't. But we knew in our hearts that God had spoken. And when God has spoken, you've got to go with it with everything that you have. Amen? You've got to keep ploughing the ground. Um, you know, we know that scripture that, uh, that says in Galatians 6 and verse 9, it says, let us not lose heart in doing good for in due season or in due time we will reap a harvest we will reap if we do not grow weary let's never grow weary in doing good it's not about the numbers it's about what god is saying but sometimes so sometimes those things take time and we have to know the difference and then there's sometimes when we do have to cut off those things in our life that are not producing fruit and we know it and if you go before God and ask him, and we all go through pruning seasons, don't we? And we know with um, with roses again, that you cut them all back to next to nothing. And then, you know, lo and behold, you think, is this thing ever going to live? And then it just produces beautiful uh, roses again. There's a principle in God that we go through pruning. Amen? We're going to cut off because who knows that we can pick up things that we're not meant to be doing. <laughs> you know, they can be, there's the good things and there's the God things. It's the God things that will produce fruit. <laughs> you know, we're meant to do good all the time. But you know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. That we don't want to get caught up in things that are that are dead and not producing life. You know, there's a principle in God. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. The harvest will come. The question is, what will it produce? <laughs> What will it produce? 
and the harvest will come. Galatians 6 and verse 7. We're a sobering verse, this one. Galatians 6 and verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from that flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And then it says, and I read that scripture out before, let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not grow weary. There's that principle in God that we reap what we sow. And if I'm in a season, I do this all of the time, I was taught this early in my walk with God, if I'm in a season and I see things that are happening all around me and, you know, all these terrible things are happening to me and, you know, we all have seasons like that, I always ask, I always go before God and say, God, this is something that I've sown. <laughs> this is something that I've sown. This is something that I've done. I want to have my heart sweet before God. We heard that this morning. Keep your heart sweet before God. Because sometimes things happen around about us because we're sowing to the wrong source. We're sowing in the wrong area. <laughs> and, and the Bible is really clear about that, that we will reap what we sow. We want to sow to the Spirit. It tells us then we've got to sow to the Spirit, not to the flesh, because things can look good. <laughs> things can look good, but if they're not God, they're not going to produce the fruit that we so want and that God so wants in our lives. We're going to sow to the Spirit. It's a principle. It's a, it's a principle that we reap what we sow, the harvest will come. What's it going to produce? We're going to produce good things for God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. As we stay connected to Him, we sow to the Spirit. I remember um, it was David McCracken said these words many years ago. He said, God will not bless rebellion. God will not bless rebellion. And we know that, you know, the rain falls on the, on the, on the just and the unjust. We know that. You know, it may seem like the rebellious are getting away with stuff, doesn't it? Sometimes we think, oh, my goodness, that's not fair. They're doing all this stuff and then they seem to be getting away with it. But let me tell you, there's a day of reckoning. Amen? There is a day of reckoning. And, and God doesn't bless rebellion. He, he refuses to, to bless that. I'm going to read a scripture in James uh, 1 and verse 13. I've said this, this uh, many times, you know, the temptation in our world today is to water down the gospel and to water down the word of God. I never want to partner with that. The word of God is the word of God. It is true today. It stands strong today. Even though our culture may not agree with the word of God, we're not called to please our culture. We're called to please God. And then we're called to transform culture, to see people, see the lost come into the kingdom because there's a better way, his way of living. I know what it was like to live in darkness. Oh, my goodness, I know what it was like. I know the destruction that it was like to live in darkness. But, oh, my goodness, I know his redeeming hand and I know what it is to walk now in the light and I want to see captives set free. And then there's nothing too difficult for God. No one is beyond his redemption, no one. And so this scripture in, in James, I won't, won't speak for too much longer, am I going for too long? Tell them about the army. <laughs> and, uh, okay, so it says here in James 1 and verse 3, um, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death or destruction. It says again there, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. He's talking to believers. Don't, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from God above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, and does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that, might, that we might be the kind of first fruits that he created. I could go on and on there too. 
but it says they're very like many people want to talk about sin and and we we do not ever want to be always sin conscious because God and I spoke about that a couple of weeks ago because God's dealt with sin amen he's, he's dealt with it we're not sin conscious we're God conscious we're righteousness conscious but we have to deal with stuff and you know no, no one wants to talk about sin today but sin just means missing the mark it just means to be mistaken, to miss or to wander from the path of righteousness and honour, to, to do wrong, to wander from the law of God, to violate God's law. Um, it's a violation of the divine law in thought or in act. Jesus doesn't want us to partner with that because when he died on the cross and when he rose again, he conquered death and sin so that we could be free by the Spirit that we walk by the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. They're still there. We can, we can choose that if we so wish, but it will wreak destruction. It says, it just blows my mind the pictures that the Bible, biblical language uses. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when it's fully grown, it gives birth to death. We want to sow to the Spirit and reap an eternal harvest. We don't want to sow to the flesh and reap destruction because it kills and it brings death and it doesn't produce life. God wants us to produce life. He wants us to be fruitful and to multiply. He wants us to, we've been given a new birth. We've been, we're born again believers. <laughs> you know, when Nicodemus said, He's like, how can a man be born again? And he was thinking in natural terms. But, but Jesus said, you've got to be born of water and of the Spirit. We get, we get born again. We have a heart transformation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's the awesome good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I once was like that. I once used to dabble in all of that stuff, in all of that muck, in all of that darkness, you name it, whatever it was for you, whether it was, you know, drugs or alcohol or, um, you know, whatever it was. We see it all through scripture, you know, even murderers and slanderers and all kinds of things and all kinds of evil. But when God touches a person and gives them new birth, he gives them a second chance. It doesn't matter how they were born the first time he came to redeem lost humanity. And if we take hold of that, become born again, new creation in Christ, the old has gone and the new has come. That's the beauty of redemption. Amen. And then out of that new life springs incredible fruit for his glory. Not out of works, but out of love. Out of love. Because we love him so much because we know that he's brought us out of darkness and into his marvellous light. And we want to see the world experience that amazing transformation as well. Amen. I'm looking forward to this season. I'm really looking forward to this season where we can be fruitful and multiply. Where we can go before God and say, God, what are the areas in my life that I need to separate myself from? What are the areas in my life that I need to cut off? What are the, is there people in my life that are, are not good for me, that, that keep dragging me down? That doesn't mean that you don't still love people, but sometimes you've got to separate from certain people if they're dragging you down and they're dragging you down a wrong path. Amen? We're going to take in, inventory sometimes and say, you know, God, what are those things that I need to let go of? What are those things that I need to let go of? In Amos 3, in verse 3, it says, and two walk together unless they are agreed. And then uh, we see that it doesn't mean that, who knows that John and I, we're in a marriage, right? We love each other dearly, we're one in God, but who knows that we, we might not agree on everything. Shock horror, many married couples that would agree on everything. <laughs> Wonderful. You know, we may not be very different people, but we're one. But we're one. 
we work out our differences. Thank God we're different people. We have different giftings, but we work out our differences. And even though um, we might not agree, we don't on certain things. There's not much that we don't agree on these days, though. But, uh, but you know, even though we may not agree on everything or the way things might be done, our, our, it doesn't tear us apart, if you know what I mean. We don't say, well, I don't agree with you, so I'm going to go this way. That's division. Yeah. <laughs> God doesn't like division. <laughs> You know, we, we come to that point about, I, think I want to do that this way. Oh, okay, well, well, I would do it this way. Oh, well, let's just pray about that or whatever it might be. That's okay, as long as the outcome's the same, that we have that agreement, maybe different methods, but we, we work together. And so we're, when Amos is saying that, that you know, you happen to walk together unless they're in agreement, it means you can't walk with someone with totally different beliefs who's trying to pull the opposite direction. Have you ever tried that? It's impossible. It's horrible. It's, it's ugly. It's awful when there's division. It's like you're trying to pull one way and they're trying to pull another way. There's no agreement. You can't walk together. And we know that in, um, in the New Testament where um, it's uh, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and John Mark and you can read about that. I'm not going to read it out because it's a lack of time, but we can read about that, that they had a sharp disagreement. John, I'm sorry, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas was a son of encouragement, you know, and they had a, a disagreement. It says they, can't, they had a sharp disagreement because of John Mark, because he accompanied them on, their first, on the first missionary uh, journey, and he left. It doesn't say why he left, but he left. But obviously... Paul was not happy, and when Barnabas said, no, we should bring John Mark along, he's like, no, Paul's like, no, that's a, that's a bad idea. And, uh, and so it says they had a sharp disagreement. You can read about it, and it says they parted ways. They parted ways. Sometimes when things can't be worked out, when there's division, you've got to part ways. I'm not talking about marriage or anything here, what I'm saying. Sometimes you've got to separate from people for the sake of the mission. And that's exactly what Paul did there. You know, the mission was too great to have someone who could abandon them in the midst of, of that time. So he knew. And so he said, we have a sharp disagreement. Okay, you go this way, I go that way. But I want to keep my eyes on the mission. I've got to keep my eyes on what God's saying. And it says later on, it's an incredible story, again of redemption, says later on that, that Paul said, Paul sent for John Mark because he could be useful to me in my ministry now. So we see that there are times that we have to part ways for the sake of the mission. Not everybody is going to walk with you on the journey with God. Not everyone will. Not everyone will understand. Not everyone will see what you see. It's not about having everything perfect, but if things are pulling in opposite ways, then we have to seriously ask God, do I have to separate myself? And I believe that there's some people here who may have to separate themselves from certain people, from certain situations, because of what God has said to you. Amen? We've got to make sure that we go before God and ask those things. But God is a God who loves when people work together. He loves it when there's unity. John's been sharing this uh, for, a, for quite a while and continue to share it. Our vision, one heart, one mind, one spirit to see his kingdom come. Amen? Doesn't mean unity is not, I think it's, um, Bill Johnson said this, unity is not uniformity. It's not doing things, we all do things differently. But it's a spirit of unity, that bond of peace that you have for his kingdom. And if our eyes are upon him, our eyes are upon him, he will deal with the things in our lives. He will show us the things that we need to get rid of, those things that we need to cut off in order to get much fruit for his kingdom. Amen? Amen. And what we pray, I want John to, to come up and, and finish off in prayer. Wasn't that awesome? We continue to remember, this is just not a Sunday service. 
Sunday service is where we come together to worship together. The word's spoken, you don't just say, I'll break message and then go home and forget. When God speaks, our job is to react, to obey and to commit. And so my prayer will be that we commit to bearing fruit for God. So that we bring glory to Him. Because the whole heart of it is, He died for you and I on the cross. He suffered from a horrific death to save us. That's reason enough to, to love Him and to pour your life back to Him. It's a death that we cannot pay back. And so in keeping with the love relationship, our fruit should automatically be of His seed because we are born of His seed. So allow that fruit which is born of Him to come alive in us and work through us. So I'm just going to pray. Father, right now, I ask that you make us aware of those areas, what we are lacking in fruit-bearing, Lord God. Help us to decide if we need to, to work on that particular area to bring fruit or if we have to cut it out, Lord God. I ask that you bless each one here today, that you will watch over them, that you will move in their hearts and touch them right now. Father, I pray that, that you will make yourself alive so much in their hearts that they will see you high and lifted up. So Father, I just pray right now to release your fruit into our lives. And we thank you, Father, that you are so good to us. And I ask that you bless and watch over each one here. And make you remind each one of us again and again in our waking hours when we're asleep of the importance of a love relationship with you and a fruit-bearing exercise of a sweatless love for you, Lord God. But we do it out of love, not out of words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As always, guys, if anyone wishes to be prayed for, please come forward. There's nothing better than receiving Jesus Christ into your life. So if anyone hasn't received Jesus Christ into their lives and they want to receive Jesus into their life, it's as simple as coming forward and saying, Father, forgive me of my sins and ask Jesus to come into your life because that's what he came for. So that we can receive eternal life. And he doesn't want anyone to miss out. He wants you to give you the gift of life, his life in return for all our stuff. It's a great exchange. Our sin for his righteousness. Our hurts for his joy. And the simplest saying, Jesus, come into my life. I'll 